0: The world is after our kids. They want to take over our children. They want their hearts, they want their minds, and the enemy is real. And if you don't think he's active in trying to do that, all you have to do is look around. Our kids need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them he sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
1: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We're in the studio today in our headquarters at Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with Steve Cahoon. Steve works for Awana, and... You may be very familiar with Awana from your church or your kids going to it. You may not be as familiar with Awana in countries that are on the Voice of the Martyrs prayer map. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Steve, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
0: Thank you. It's it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Why don't you tell me a little bit about Awana? I, I know we have Awana at my church. That's as much as I know. Talk a little bit about sort of the more broad picture of Awana.
0: Well, Awana is a 73-year-old ministry. We've been around a while, and uh, we are a child discipleship ministry. We want to help kids to understand that they can uh, need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, to belong to a, a church that supports them, uh, uh, other Christians that will help to build them up, and to become all that God wants them to become. So Awana is a, uh, a global organization we're in uh, uh, currently in 133 countries. Wow! And we, uh, yeah, we have about 5.6 million children involved in weekly child discipleship around the world.
1: So, on a weekly basis, what does that look like, and does it look the same at my church as it looks in in India, or is it vastly different between depending on the context?
0: Why, it's quite different. In the United States, of course, the Awana model has and ministry has been around for. Many years, it has been uh, something that churches have embraced with handbooks and and an award system, a motivation system that works well here in the United States. But in countries like India, you'll you'll recognize Awana because it's structured very much like it is here. However, we don't have all the bells and whistles in India. (laughs) Yeah, we focus on leader development. Our focus is investing in the leaders. That will teach the children to come to know love and serve the lord jesus christ so our model internationally is that we'll gather a group of pastors together at a pastor's 414 forum and challenge them regarding the importance and the significance of child discipleship the biblical mandate that god gives us to pour into children and to help kids between the ages of 4 and 14 to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to be in a, a position to have lifelong child discipleship in their churches. And so we'll gather those pastors together. Many of them just didn't recognize that truth before. They thought that child, uh, children's ministry was just uh, a necessity they had to have or, or they just needed to keep the kids quiet while the, the parents learned. But uh, now they, they come to understand that children are people, too and that they can come to know Christ, and at an early age, and they can impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we offer those pastors to select two key leaders from their churches to come back for a three- to five-day intensive training. At the end of that training, they receive all the materials and the curriculum they, they need to go back into their churches and train other leaders to help them launch the Awana ministry in their local church. So what is your role within Awana? My role is field operational role with awana. I also work with the uh, revenue and ministry advancement side of awana here in the United States and around the world.
1: I would imagine, and I'm thinking of that that little child in India who obviously he's connected to a church. That's how he gets to be connected into awana. But then, you know, his little Hindu friend at school, he says, "Hey, why don't you come with me?"
0: Do you hear stories about that happening? Oh, we absolutely do. Most of the children that attend uh, Awana clubs are of other religions in countries like India. They've come there. They feel the love and the care and concern of a caring, loving adult in their life, and it attracts them to come back. Of course, the games are something they enjoy, but they don't stay because of the games. They stay because of the relationships that are Mm -hmm. built between themselves and the leaders in that church. In fact, I have a story about a little boy that a church reached out to in India. Uh, This little boy lived in a brothel in Mumbai, India. This church had an outreach to this particular community in this brothel. And this little boy just didn't know anybody really loved or cared about him. His name was Rohit. And Rohit came to know Christ as a result of an outreach from that church in Mumbai, India. And they had an Iwana club right there in that brothel. So you'd be surprised where you might find (laughs) Iwana.
1: What happens? And again, I'm thinking of that Hindu boy in India. He comes to Iwana, he meets Christ like this young boy did. His parents may not be excited about that. How do you deal with that fact (laughs) when the parents come along and say, wait a minute? We're a Hindu family. Why are you telling my child about Jesus? Well, you know, that's a really, really great question. And actually, our new
0: model of doing ministry where we invest in the leaders who are going to teach the children— we don't provide handbooks and awards Uh, we have a wall chart where kids can keep up with their progress of their scripture memory each week but the kids bring a little notebook with them or a piece of paper and they write down the verse that they're going to learn that week so because of the sheer fact that they don't take handbooks home with them they don't have a lot of stuff with them to take home it kind of sheds a little bit of that worry for the kids but we, we do from time to time have that. And we have had, you know, to clubs experience, uh, you know, a form of, of persecution in the fact that, you know, the community might not like what they're doing with their kids and, and might rise up against that. But uh, for the most part, we, we find that, that parents still love to, to take their kids to a place that cares about their kids. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll continue to do that.
1: If you're blessing my child, you're blessing me, That's correct. and I'm probably not going to argue a lot about it <laughs> That's right. if, if you're, if I see my child being blessed. We've talked about India. What are some of the other places that, that our listeners would be familiar with, places that are more closed to the gospel where Awana is active?
0: Well, we're working in Pakistan, also all over South Asia, Sri Lanka, Bhutan, Nepal, Uh, We're also working in all of sub-Saharan Africa, Mm -hmm. the Middle East, North Africa, that whole region. We have a presence in many countries there.
1: Are there opportunities in, in some of those places to work through like a school system or a school as opposed to a church, or you really need a church to kind of be the driving force behind it?
0: We are primarily a servant of the local church. We work in and through local churches. But just in the last four years, a phenomenon has happened in uh, Africa, especially in Zimbabwe. It's beginning to spread now to other countries such as Tanzania and Kenya. But we have uh, actually gotten permission to work in public schools and have been approved as a uh, approved curriculum in Zimbabwe. So uh, we have a vision, we have a dream that we could reach up to 30 million plus children over the next 10 years in uh, sub-Saharan Africa through the public school system. We never imagined it. We never dreamed of that opportunity. We did some pilot projects starting about four years ago. The results, the impact of that in the lives of those students, their grades improved, their behavior improved, their desire to be a part of the community improved, the community involvement that came about as a result of that the connection to local churches it's just been a win-win situation for the schools the local churches for the kids their parents the teachers the teachers have had less absenteeism even even teen pregnancy has has wow. been reduced in a lot of cases uh, that we've gotten reports on, so uh, it's still in its early stages. But we're just thrilled with with the, the results.
1: Are most of these people? Because you mentioned, you know, two leaders from a church are sent. They get this training. Are they typically on staff at the church, like they are? paid, or this is their ministry that they do in addition to making a living?
0: We're one of the most intense volunteer organizations you'll find. (laughs) Uh, We have a lot of volunteers, and we literally thrive on volunteers. The church leaders, I'd say by and large, occasionally the pastor will come himself as one of those to be trained, but for the most part, it's all going to be volunteers. Mm -hmm. And then out of this group of volunteers that we train up to anywhere from 50 to 100 at one time, there will be leaders out of that group that will rise to the top Mm -hmm. and that we will identify them as cluster leaders that can go back uh, when the training is over and check on three to five to seven other churches in their area to help them along and to see where they might be struggling. But they're all volunteers. Wow. They're all people who just believe in child discipleship. They want to see this happen in their church. They want to see the younger generation get what they need so that the Christianity can grow and be perpetuated.
1: When we talk about persecution, one of the questions I often ask church leaders who I get to meet from hostile and restricted nations is, okay, how do you how do you get ready for persecution? How do you prepare? How do you prepare your congregation? How do you get them ready for persecution? I would think what Awana does, especially with the focus on the scriptures, is just absolutely foundational to getting ready to stand strong in the midst of pressure and hardship and persecution. Do you find that's true?
0: We do find that's true. We find that it helps our kids to be able to share their faith with confidence and and boldness, and it helps them to be able to declare Christ the to their friends and and to to be a bold witness for Him. We hear many stories of our kids, uh, you know, not fitting in with the rest of the group anymore after they come to know Christ, and and so our leaders are there, uh, hopefully to encourage and and really help them to overcome that.
1: Tell me some of those stories. We love stories. <laughs>
0: yeah, our national director in Bangladesh was a young child. Uh, growing up uh, with a Hindu background in Bangladesh, which which is primarily Islamic, but uh, he had a Hindu background, mm-hmm. he was rather rambunctious. He was rather into a lot of different things. And uh, a group of missionaries that are there working in a hospital in the southern part of the country began an Awana ministry in their church. Actually, it was one of the first Awana ministries in the entire uh, subcontinent of South Asia, So they began that ministry, and uh, Prodeep is his name. He came into the ministry as a child, began to get involved in Scripture memory, and came to know the Lord Jesus as his Savior. And it radically changed him. It changed who his friends were, who he associated with. It changed who he was. And this young man grew up in the ranks and eventually became the first national and only national director we've had in the country of Bangladesh. And he still is today. This is 35 years ago.
1: Which is, I mean, it's just such a amazing blessing to have someone who literally grew up in the ministry. <laughs> I mean, came in the door as a child, found Christ through the ministry. Now, I would think that his enthusiasm as a leader and as he's instructing others under him is like, hey, I'm the fruit of this work. You got to keep going.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a real, real blessing to all of us because we see how God has even uh, taken him since he's been an adult and just advanced his ability to lead and, and to lead others. And he and his wife are very passionate about the young people who are now teenagers and college-age students. That grew up in their ministries in the various churches in the Awana ministry in the country of Bangladesh. They're very passionate about teaching them to give back. Mm -hmm. They said, we have put much into you and and you have been given so much. Now it's time for you to give back to your community and to your churches. So every year they hold a conference. Specifically designed to challenge those those young students and to get them and to teach them to develop their leadership and to teach them to share their faith with with others.
1: We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Steve Cahoon. He is a leader in Awana Ministries. Steve, are there other stories that you have of of people maybe who are leaders now uh, or other stories of kids who are being reached in? Uh, what we might think of as unreachable places, but obviously God doesn't think they're unreachable.
0: No, he certainly doesn't. And um, we have a team of workers, indigenous missionaries, uh, that work with us in India. It's an amazing story. I'd like to share it with you. Um, Back in the 1990s, uh, there was a group of young men who were at uh, a Bible college in Delhi uh, that were introduced to Awana by our national director at the time. This uh, Bible college also had an orphanage with about 700 to 800 kids in the orphanage. It's an
1: interesting combination.
0: Yeah. So, so the largest Awana club in Asia was born. Wow. <laughs> All of a sudden in the 1990s, there were seven young men and their wives who became a part of of uh, that Awana club, and our national director went to them and actually recruited them to work with Awana after they graduated from the Bible college. I am so excited today to share with you that three of those young men are now our three regional directors who lead our entire work in India. India is now our largest country uh, outside the United States with over 10,000 church partners that we work with, over 600,000 children. Wow, the uh, one of the young men that uh, was in that Bible college was Nepali. Originally, he was going to work with the Nepali diaspora in India, but he ended up going back to his country. Uh, taking care of some things he needed to take care of. And all of a sudden, he and his wife had started about 30 new Awana clubs and churches (laughs) there in India.
1: All of a sudden. (laughs) All of a sudden.
0: So the national director in India said, well, why don't you just stay in Nepal? Because it looks like there's a need there. So today, Nepal is one of our largest countries. And this young man, uh, his name is Gajendra Tamang. He is our global vice president for Awana in South Asia. Wow. So he leads all of our work there in South Asia. So we've been we've had the privilege of watching God take some young men and women and just grow them mm-hmm. over the years, refine them, give them experience, impart wisdom to them, and, and they're just leading so incredibly well, much better than we could have ever imagined or of course could have ever done ourselves. It normally can start with just one church, one pastor one person who who has a vision for what child discipleship can do and it can start with them and we can train that person and send them to to wherever they need to go to uh, also train others Mm -hmm. we're very open-handed with our curriculum with our material it's it's all provided normally through donor funds once we take a a church through the entire training module which lasts for a year, which consists of also, besides the big training, the seed planters, it consists of a 90-day follow-up, a one-year celebration, and then hopefully subsequent training. It normally can start with just one person, with just one church, because we're so open-handed with everything, we just give it away.
1: Yeah. But I would say that's probably true in my town too. If, mm-hmm. if I want to want a program and there's not one, if I'm passionate about it, Just one person can get it going.
0: Just one person can get it going. And we found here in the United States that that's how Awana has flourished over the years, word of mouth. Or one person would go uh, maybe transferred with their job or whatever circumstances take them to another place. Mm -hmm. They take Awana with them a lot of
1: times. The Lord works in mysterious ways. (laughs) (laughs) We always try to equip our listeners to be able to pray. Uh, as we are thinking about Awana, and I'm thinking of especially of the work not just in my church but the work in India, the work in Pakistan, how do we pray for those leaders on whom so much rides? Uh, I mean, they they a lot rides on them doing a good job and, and being effective at what they're doing. How do we pray for them?
0: Awana uh, made a decision many years ago when we first went on the international field in the 70s, that we would work through the indigenous people. And uh, so, so our local people, they know the language already. They know the culture. They understand the religion and the religious opposition. So when they come out as Christians, that's one thing. But when they start to teach other people about it, it takes it to another level. It's a
1: very significant thing.
0: It is very significant. In many parts of the world that we work in, it's it's dangerous to do what they do. And we would just pray for their protection, for the protection of their family, uh, that the children would get what they need, that their needs would be met. And so uh, we just ask that God would— allow us to continue to work in these underground church situations, that we would continue to be able to train leaders, that the gospel would flourish. Um, God does his best work in those circumstances, so we pray that he would continue to work through us as our goal is to really see every child everywhere reached and discipled for the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Steve, I We mentioned, some of your pastors you talked to at the beginning, and they think, well, you know, we just need to keep the kids quiet while while we're doing the the ministry is to the parents. We just need the kids to kind of stay out of the way and be quiet. There's probably some pastors here in America who may feel that way too. (laughs) I hope not, but I suspect there are. Talk to them a little bit directly about why this ministry to these young people is so, so, so important.
0: Children begin to form their their attitudes and their opinions about the Bible, about Scripture memory, about things of God at a very early age. We have the unique opportunity in the church to help them not to have a testimony of when I became a teenager, I used drugs or I was heavily involved in alcohol or I got away from God. Uh, I I never really knew Christ as my Savior. We hear that testimony over and over and over again. We have the unique opportunity to keep kids from having that kind of a testimony. Once my wife and I were listening to testimonies at a church, and people were were talking about times where they had been drunk, uh, laid out in the street. Uh, Someone found them and took them to the hospital, and then they came to know Christ, and And my wife turned to me and said, you know, I've really got a dull testimony. I don't have a whole lot to share. If the pastor were to ask me to give my testimony, I don't have a lot to share. I said, what you don't understand, Deborah, you have the best testimony of all. Your mom and dad loved you so much. They took you to church. They taught you the things of God. They invested in you. They saw that every time you had the opportunity— to to get something that would help you grow in the Lord, they gave it to you. That's the best testimony we can give to see our children have when they grow up. So pastors, all of us uh, that are in church leadership need to understand the world is after our kids. They want to take over our children. They want their hearts. They want their minds and the enemy is real. And if you don't think he's active in trying to do that, all you have to do is look around. At at every turn, there's something that's going to drag our children down. And the negativity that's out there is just unbelievable. Our kids need a relationship with Jesus Christ. They need that personal relationship with him. They need a place and an opportunity where caring, loving adults can show them every week how valued they are, how important they are to God and to the kingdom.
1: Amen. And the other thing that Awana is so strong on is memorizing the scripture. those, Those verses that you memorize when you're five, six, and seven, they stick in there. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> two daughters. For a long time.
0: Yeah, my two daughters, Brittany and Ashley. There, thank the Lord. I mean, we were my wife and I were children's pastors, and uh, then we joined the Awana ministry twenty three years ago. We thought maybe we had scared them off from working with kids because <laughs> we drug them everywhere with us. But uh, but they're both educators, and and they'll both tell you to this day. That the scripture memory that they retained, they learned in Iwana when uh-huh. they were kids. When they got their their Timothy Award and their Meritorious Award and all of that uh, through the Awana ministry, that's what has, has stuck with them. And, and it doesn't leave you. The scripture won't, won't leave you.
1: And that is vitally important in the United States. I think about, though, in a place where you're likely to face persecution, it's even more important it to is. have God's word in your heart, to have it in a permanent way in in inside of you. So uh, I'm so thankful, Steve, for the ministry of Awana. I'm so thankful to hear that it's in a lot of the same countries where Voice of the Martyrs is working. And I invite our listeners to pray with us that God will bless that work and raise it up and grow it and send the right leaders at the right time. And um, so I just thank you for your ministry, and I thank you for sharing with us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you for listening this week to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the free Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Just come to vomradio.net. Click on the free magazine link at the top of the page. We would love to send that to you. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would take a few moments to rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. That's a great way to help us reach new listeners with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. You can also help us reach new listeners by sharing this episode with a Christian friend and with your pastor. Maybe you want to text a link to them right now. You can also give financially to support VOM's work helping persecuted Christians, providing Bibles, and supporting frontline ministry. Simply click on the Donate tab under More at the top of vomradio.net, or you can go directly vomradio.net slash donate. Thank you for taking the time to listen this week. I hope you'll join our conversation again next week to hear more stories of the faithfulness of persecuted Christians and the amazing things God is doing in hostile and restricted nations right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Podcast Network.